bills make me wanna shout. Kick your heels up and shout. Welcome back, listeners, to another exciting episode of Bills and Beers, the Buffalo Bills podcast here from the Bills backers of Chicago, Illinois. An almost full house here today to discuss the win yeah. over the Indianapolis Colts. I'm Lars. Joining me, the lovely Miss Cassie Hutton is here. Good evening or afternoon or morning or whatever time it is. And fresh off his recent wedding in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Bill Belcher has joined us today. Whoa, 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 how you living? And the president of the Bills backers, Sujit, also with us today. What up, everybody? Bills win week one. So we are trying a new format where we record right after the game. This is mostly a logistical move to help us. So we're going to have to all get together in the middle of the week. But now we can do quick reaction hot takes following the game. In this case, a 27-14 win over the Indianapolis Colts. A trouncing, if you will. Billsandbeers.com was the best way to find us, but uh, I let that domain expire, so just find us on Facebook. You can also find us on Twitter, and as always, subscribe on iTunes. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell everybody you know in Bills Nation how you found this podcast. And, and ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, let's talk about this week one victory over the Indianapolis Colts. Come on and shout. Yeah. Buffalo's happening now. So this comes as no surprise to yours truly that we beat the Indianapolis Colts. The national media is really high on Andrew Luck and his 35-year-old running back and the 42-year-old wide receiver, but I kind of wasn't really feeling it. And lo and behold, we whooped their ass. There were two things that I was uh, really concerned about coming into the game that gave me question marks. One of those was Tyrod Taylor. And was he going to be able to play good enough play his Tyrod Taylor preseason football in the, in the regular season, in a regular game. The other thing was LaShawn McCoy. Is he injured? Is he all right? How's he going to perform? And both of those things were resolved today, and that is that Tyrod Taylor is an NFL quarterback. And LaShawn McCoy? Is not as good as Carlos Williams. Well, we'll get to, we'll no. gonna, we're going to get to hey. some deeper dives here in a second, but let's just jump right into it, and we'll start, we'll start with the negatives first. Cass, I'm looking at you. Who is your Jenny Cremail bummer of today's game? I hate to say this since my favorite player plays on the offensive line, but I'm giving it to the entire offensive line because they could not block on a running play. I don't feel like they give Tyrod Taylor anything, any good time. And we all know that the defensive line from the Colts is not exceptional. So offensive line, get your act together. I'm with you there, Cass. And as a quick programming note for our listeners, we are coming live to you now from the Bills Bar here in Chicago, Illinois. There are two, but in our hearts, there's only one. If ever you're in town, come find us. We sit down right, we sit right down front. We're at Lincoln Station now, so if you hear a little background noise, that's what they—that's what that is. But it, it's keeping us energetic, I do believe. Suge, I'm coming to you because you're not paying any attention. Who was your Jenny Cream Ale bummer of today's game? Actually, I was paying perfect attention. I was just deep in thought about my Jenny Cream Ale player of the week. And I'm well, going to disagree. No, 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 no. He's the Jenny Cream Ale bummer oh, of the week. What did I say? Player? So player. Take, take, take okay, that deep thought focus. I'm so focused on who was bad that I don't know the name of the Jenny Cream Ale bummer of the week. But I'm actually going to disagree with Cass and say that it was not a problem with the offensive line because that offensive line opened up some nice holes for Carlos Williams and even put some holes for Ruby Dixon. I'm going to go with LaShawn McCoy. I think that, uh, you know, the rumor of him being uh, kind of, I'm going to get 15 yards or I'm going to get none, I believe is true. Maybe it'll change over time. There were a few times that he just kind of put his head down and ran up and got two to three yards, but... 
you know, I think that Fred Jackson would easily get three, four yards out of all of the uh, plays oh, where, no, he, no. where he would have gotten. No. Hold on, Dude, shut the fuck up. None of the actual yardage. Okay, so Fred Jackson would have gotten two to three yards out of all the plays where McCoy got nothing. I agree that Fred Jackson would not have gotten the 10 to 15 yards that McCoy got. But. What I'm saying is that Homer. McCoy needs to do a better job of just getting his bread and butter. If he wants to be an every down back, not a third down back, he needs to be able to just plug his head down and get two to three yards in every play the way Carlos Williams does. At, at the end of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter, I did lean over and say to Lars, who does LaShawn McCoy look like dancing in the backfield there? None it, other than dearly departed C.J. Spiller. Or Willis McGahee. Yeah, both of them. I think those are horrible comparisons. McCoy is a very, very good back. Well, who's who is your who is your who is your Jenny Creamel bummer of the week then, Billy? My bummer of the week was Sammy Watkins. Okay. Interesting. Now, I do not have the ability at this point to see the game film right in front of me, so I'm making a split-second decision by saying that. But so he might have been open, but he got what zero catches? Two targets. Two targets. Two targets. Zero catches. Zero catches. Well, was he not open? Well, he was open on the second one. Tyrod just missed him in the end zone. Would have been the dagger in the heart play, but yeah. However, I do think Greg Roman is save, saving plays for Sammy Watkins for other games. I tend to agree with you, and I I am in agreement that LaShawn McCoy didn't look great today. And I think I think as as people are going to now a- analyze this game moving forward. That's that's going to be what people fixate on. Yeah. But people are going to are, are going to bitch because we gave up Kiko Alonso, who I guarantee well, you're at, I mean, people have the expectations that he is the best running back in the NFL. But he has been, in the past, the best running back in the NFL. However, I didn't expect him to be the best running back in the NFL. I expect him to be fucking very good. Well, I'm giving my Janie Cremail bummer of the week to Jerry Hughes. Jerry Hughes, who's facing his old team, was about to cut him, but traded him to Buffalo anyways, straight up for Kelvin Shepard. I, I do believe we fleeced the Colts on that trade quite handedly. However, Andrew Luck did a hell of a job today getting the ball out, and that's why our defense was so successful against him, because we rushed him, he missed throws, or had to throw short a lot. But we didn't get a lot of sacks, mostly because of Andrew Luck. He, as, as I said, there's probably 28 quarterbacks in the NFL, maybe more, that would have, would have registered six to seven sacks today because they would not have had the quickness to get the ball out the way Andrew Luck did today because we made them earn every last one of those yards. Yeah. But Jerry Hughes, we're kind of expecting him to be our speed rusher, so he's got to get at least one sack in there. But man, the penalties. And it's the same shit he pulled last year. He's got to cut it down. We were way over-penalized today. Cash, you said... That the offensive line didn't look at opening up holes. Well, the offensive line didn't look at getting called for, what, four holds today? Correct. Somebody texted me about Bill's fantasy football, the defense, and my response was if it wasn't for the Colts' offensive line, we, they would put up huge numbers because they had to hold us. But our offensive line was holding on running plays where we only got, like, one yard. So it wasn't even like they were holding effectively. I just want to say that the headline from the Associated Press currently is that the Bills bully the Colts to a 27-14 victory. Hell yes, It's just they did. nice to hear, uh, you know, what we advertised at the beginning of the season is what we actually brought, or sorry, in the preseason, is what we actually brought in the beginning, in the whole game. So, Suge, let's, let's stay right with the positive flow here. Who is your Labatt Blue MVP of today's game? 
I am going to go with the person that I had the biggest worry about. Uh, Bill had said that he was worried about Tyrod Taylor as well as LaShawn McCoy. I was worried about Tyrod Taylor, who also, to me, proved he's an NFL quarterback as of right now. But I was worried about our secondary. Specifically, I was worried about Ronald Darby. Yep. And despite the fact that on the first pass that they challenged him, I thought he was in position and didn't make a play. And I gave him a little crap, and Lars said, you know, he was in good, good position. It was just a great play. On the very next time he was challenged, it was the exact same route, and he knocked the ball out of the way. And then from there on, the kid just played lights out. We must have had five or six pass deflections today. I mean, between, between him and Kilmore, that is... They look like an island. They look like they were able to live on and their island. And that's against Andrew Luck, who, better than almost every other quarterback in the NFL, is putting the ball in a spot where only the receivers can get it. Bill, let's go to you next. You're Labatt Blue MVP of today's game. I'm going to go for um, Kyle Williams. Interesting. Kyle Williams is a guy that's never going to get all the credit. And, like, you got Darius, who just got signed a huge contract. So he's in there next to Corbin Bryant. And... He's penetrating every time. You have two guys on him. He's getting double teamed, and he's still pushing those guys back. Yeah. Andrew Luck was throwing with four guys in his lap yeah. 80% of the time. And if today. Kyle Williams is not is not taking up those two guys or he's not pushing them back, some of the other guys aren't getting up in Andrew Luck's face. So Kyle Williams may not get the credit from other people, but he get he gets credit on this Buffalo Bills podcast. Well, now now's a good time to mention that we said the national guys have been sweating this Colts offense. I, I don't think they're going to be as good as everybody says they're going to be. But let's just go with what the Nationals guys say. They're supposedly one of the best offenses in the league. And we shut them down for three quarters today without our best player in Marcel Darius. And people are making a case right now for Marcel Darius to be our best overall player. That could be true. He's definitely the best player on our defense. And yet we still took it to the Indianapolis Colts. It's something they should definitely be proud of. And I think that the other interesting component of that is that our line, you know, he got sacked, what, once, twice maybe? But the biggest thing is that the nature of the defense, the changing fronts by Rex Ryan, as well as just the constant pressure, even if they weren't hitting him, definitely got to Andrew Luck. He was making passes that you just never see him make. These passes that are about very high probability of getting picked off. And sure enough, he got picked off twice. But there was definitely several balls that got tipped, very well could have been picked off, and that was just not Andrew Luck. Part of that is the fact that he couldn't throw deep. He had to throw over the middle in these short passes in crowded space, and that's all because of our defensive line actually causing pressure and our blitzes yeah, causing it's, pressure. It's worth noting that it, it, he wasn't not going deep because he had to get rid of the ball fast. Quarterbacks can throw a deep pass right away. He wasn't going deep because he didn't have anywhere to step. Right. Yeah. He, yeah, and I said this to you. I was like, he's taking, he took one, like, seven-step drop back. Everything else was three or four steps and out. Yeah. And that was the one drive where they they ate us live. It was quick passes, which makes me nervous for next week. But and hurry up. And hurry up, yeah. So I'm giving my Labatt Blue MVP of today's game to none other than Carlos Williams, yeah. who we love to love on this podcast. But I'll tell you what, Carlos Williams should have retired with his NFL career stat line being one run for 26 yards and a touchdown. He came out of the backfield every time today, like he always does, like he's a goddamn freight train, and it's just, all he does is run into people and move the pile three yards. And when there's nobody in front of him, all he does is run in a straight line to the end zone. I feel like when he touches the ball, it is three yards 
automatically. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm right with you. I also like that, like you're suggesting, he runs like a train. If there's a little bit of a hole, he's just going to go for it. He might not go far, but if there's a little bit of a crease, he's going to keep moving that pile. And I mean, by the way, he's a giant man, so if there's a crease and there's an opening, that means the first person to hit him is going to be D-back. Right. who has no prayer of bringing him down. And despite the fact that his first run was for 25 yards, the remainder of his yards, he ended up with six yard, six attempts for 55 yards for a nine-yard average. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, compare that to LaShawn McCoy, who had 2.4 yards as, as an average. Now, obviously, he ran the ball a lot more times, but the point is this guy is moving the chains, he's moving the ball, he's moving the line of scrimmage when he gets the ball. And... You know, you put him and Jerome Felton in the line, who the hell's going to want to get in front no of that way. train? Cass, wrap us up here. MVP of the game. All right, MVP of the game. I am the female of the crew, so I'm drinking Labatt Blue Light out of a bottle. Very nice. Uh, you guys missed it all. We looked at each other in the middle of the game. We're like, wait, number 18? Who is he? I, the player yeah. we did not see even in the preseason. One snap comes out big time. Huge touchdown, really a go-to player for Tyrod Taylor today. So basically, the opposite of what Marquise Goodwin would have done. Yeah. Yep. Percy, Percy, Percy Harvin. Harvin. Here we go. I was, you know, I was thinking that too. And so he had like 79 yards and a touchdown receiving today. He also had that nine-yard end around. And maybe this is a good opportunity to talk about the very first play from scrimmage today. That was. And how and why? By, by the way, officially, Tyrod Taylor did not get the start today. Because yeah. Matt Castle was under center for the first snap of the game. So what, what was that play call worse than the Steelers play call in that uh, in the Patriots game on Thursday night? Which which one are you talking about? The one where they were driving oh, down and Antonio Brown, the yes. wide receiver throw. Yes, that was equally. But for the first play from scrimmage was a fake end around to Tyrod Taylor. That got stuffed in the backfield for yeah. six yard. Oh, but that was so Greg Roman. I'm glad I'm glad you centered yourself and and found your flow at some point, but. Let's not let's let's put the cute back in the playbook where it belongs. I, I do think that that was just a straight up missed assignment because the person that made that tackle was untouched in the backfield. There was a lot but of untouched there was a lot. Yeah. Of, it was a hot mess. Yeah. But hey, you know he got it out of the system. It's done. I will you know say. What? I gotta say though. This Maybe we're setting up well. the Patriots because that's that is a play that's gonna work next week. Who knows? But we have to face two of the better D lines in the NFL in Miami and and New York four times this year. And the Colts have one of the worst D-lines in the NFL, so I'm not really all that enthusiastic when I see blue jerseys in the backfield against a unit that's supposed to be a lot better than them. I mean, I think that the key is that our offensive line is all about movement and pulling guards and things like that. So that's the way you get around the big, fat, you know, clunky lineman in the center. The other way you do it is that you just kind of start punching up the gut with running backs that can do that. Um, I'm fine with... I mean, LaShawn McCoy and the screen and things like that. And, you know, I know that we didn't mention him as a, uh, as a Labatt Blue player, but my God, there's a difference when Tyrod Taylor is throwing the ball than any of the other quarterbacks that we've had for a very long time. And I'm not talking about the deep pass, which, by the way, EJ would have overthrown Gilmore or, or something. Underthrown, or yeah. underthrown him, one of the two. Uh, but as much as, as you don't want to, as much as you don't, uh, you want to blame it on Gilmore, most of the time, Gilmore's pass isn't that beautifully thrown, where he can just run underneath it. And another example is that Ooh, screen. Gilmore, what? Oh, sorry, where, like, if it was EJ throwing the ball to Gilmore, well, Gilmore's wide open. Who's he no, doesn't. Watkins. No, or, or if Gilmore was there. What Gilmore's I'm saying is, not a wide receiver. Gilmore plays oh, defense. Sorry, Goodwin. Goodwin. 
Edit. Goodwin. Edit. Goodwin didn't even play today. I know. What I'm saying is we always complain about how Marquise Goodwin. Switch had a few beers today. We always complain about how Marquise Goodwin can't come away with a long pass even though he's so fast. But the ball was is never thrown that well to Marquise Goodwin the way it was to Percy Harvin. The other thing that I know we all noticed was that on the on the swing pass to LaShawn oh, McCoy, God, was it was so beautifully timed. It was perfectly led. And you said multiple times, this is a quarterback that is receiver friendly. The ball is put where it needs to be put. And the accuracy has been amazing. So I you know Well and, and here's the thing. I, I give hands down to Greg Roman for the fact of that was at the third quarter, fourth quarter. We need. We just did what four or five running plays in a row. He didn't put the ball in Tyrod's hands for him to make a mistake. Tyrod only threw it 15 times. Today. He's building up his quarterback to be successful. I agree. And I, 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 I hands down to uh, Roman for doing that. So we are recording immediately following the game, which means there there will be some hot takes. There will be some impassioned pleas. There'll be some rants and raves. So that's the segment we're going to get into next. I've got a rant that I want to get off my chest. So if you've got one, prepare it, because it's coming next. So what I want to know now, kids, is what really grinds your gears? I want to know what is something that you just noticed from this game that makes you want to just tear your fucking eyes out. Yep. So, I, I have one. It's Rants and Raves. It's Rants and Raves here on Bills and Beers. Um, so, anybody sitting within 25 feet of me during the game today already heard this Rant and Rave, but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to now provide our listeners with a little insight into when I almost blew a gasket earlier this afternoon. You're really upset. So, the running into the punter roll makes no sense in my mind. I understand that the guy is vulnerable after he kicks, but what I don't understand is why a punter is given the allowance to take two big steps forward and then kick his leg straight up in the air, and if somebody's barreling down on him at 25 miles an hour and lays out underneath him, underneath him, tough for that guy because this, this guy who only comes in five or six times a game can't be touched because of how vulnerable he makes himself. Well, the last time I checked, the game is still football, you're still wearing pads, and nobody is guaranteed anything in this game. So why they're allowed to have those two giant steps and get to throw their legs straight up in the air like a goddamn ice skater, I'll never know. If a guy's coming down, take one or two steps laterally and pooch it. You're not guaranteed an opportunity to put the ball 50 or 60 fucking yards every time. Maybe, if you guys can't block well enough, you only get 30 yards out of this punt. Next time, tell them to block better. But in the meantime, you're getting bailed out because the defense, which has already encroached upon your players, are now within striking distance of your foot as you come careening back down to earth with these ridiculous one-legged pirouettes. I don't fucking understand it. Would somebody please explain to me why they are not just forced to take a, a one or two steps left or right, and if they have to pooch it off the side of their foot because they're being pressured, so be it. The holder isn't the holder on a field goal can't say to a guy barreling, whoa, 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 slow down. You can't touch me because I'm just sitting here on my knee. Hell no. If a guy's coming in, he can straight up blow a holder up. A guy who's on one knee and is about as vulnerable as it gets two and a half feet off the ground. That guy is completely exposed. And yet it's totally fine to completely tee off on him. But a punter? Hell no. Gotta, gotta protect those 160-pound waifs. Applicable to all 31 punters. 
except for Colton, I bench press more than I curl. Excuse me, curl more than I bench press Schmidt. Okay, I'm done. It's rants and rice. Anybody else got something they want to rant about? You no, know, I just want to add on to what you just had to say. Now, keep in mind that if we actually block the punt, we can do whatever the fuck exactly. we want to do that no punter. Sense. So we're not about protecting that punter. It's We're going to protect that punter unless it's exciting football. Yeah. What the hell is going on? Unless he doesn't get it off cleanly. Then all of a sudden he's fair game. Break his legs in half if you want. doesn't matter. I don't understand why that allowance is suddenly given. I want to just quickly rant about one other thing, and that is what the hell is the fucking rule when a QB starts to pass, decides he doesn't want to pass, and something happens with the ball. If he brings it down and starts to tuck it in and gets it stripped, it's still a forward pass, according to the fucking tuck rule in Tom Brady, unless it happens to the fucking Bills, and then it doesn't apply. But when Andrew Luck lets the ball slip out of his goddamn hands when he's trying to pull it back, and it hits the goddamn offensive lineman, and is, that's it, intentional is it intentional grounding? No! It's no. nothing. It's just an incomplete pass. But why? I don't know. It doesn't make any goddamn sense. There's no receivers there. It hit the offensive lineman. And how about how small the logos were on the Bills' helmets? Can't you make those a little bit bigger? I was fine with those. I was fine oh, with it, too. I thought that could be a little bit bigger. Come on. All right, all right. Well, Cat, Cass is pissed about the logos. <laughs> Typical from a woman. Bill, are you about mad about anything, or are you just kind of... No, I'm going to rave. I'm going to okay. rave about Tyrod Taylor's play. Please. Okay. Because Speak I'll, on it. I'll tell you what. It was not that he dominated. It was not that he was the best quarterback in the NFL. But guess what? How many mistakes did he make? Zero. Zero. How many times did he make something out of nothing? Four or five. How many times did he throw a beautiful pass down the right-hand side, 40 to 50 yards, or a touchdown? One. One for two. <laughs> that was very good. More than Trent Edwards. 14 of 19 for 195 yards and a touchdown. But honestly, you, it, I mean, this is your first game in the NFL. Well, your first start. Well, like, okay, he didn't start. You get my point. Well, a lot of pressure was on so this guy to perform, and he stepped up and did a great job. 14 for 19, and that's with the with, with us running the clock for the last quarter and a half. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's it's very admirable. And the other thing is that all of the passes that he did throw were, were pretty damn on. Yeah. You know, there was not bad passes that were just like, oh, that guy was wide open. And maybe the Sammy Watkins pass, but yeah, that's I, a hard I mean, pass he probably, to throw. He probably checked down a couple times where he shouldn't have or that he had a guy open somewhere. But you know what? That's going to come like, so, with time. This is another thing to rant and rave about, and that's about the coverage pertaining to Tyrod Taylor leading up into today's game. Bill's Nation was cautiously optimistic. The national media? Well, who's this Tyrod Taylor guy? How do we know he's supposed to be good? How are we know? How are we to know that he's supposed to be bad? What evidence do we have that he's going to be bad? Zero. He gave us a wealth of evidence that he could be good in the preseason. He gave us virtually no evidence that he would be bad. He made smart decisions. He ran when he had to. He ran well when he had to. He made good passes and also Everybody in Baltimore is coming out of the woodwork to talk about what a stud this guy is. Yes. You know what, you know what else I love about him is you, you would see him like after a touchdown and he's still studying yeah. on the oh, sideline yeah. with was, Greg Roman. They showed him on the sideline talking to the players, being like, come on, guys, let's do this. Yeah. With his, I, with his iPad, I mean, yeah. Microsoft Surface. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he had the guys huddled up. Yeah, all we've, all we've heard about this guy is he's got a huge arm, he's really fast, he's a great leader. 
And apparently when David Lee first met him, he kept trying to trick him, and he couldn't because Tyrod Taylor had learned the playbook so fast that David Lee, after like three attempts to try to catch him off guard, was like, wait, Tyrod, do you have a photographic memory? And Tyrod Taylor said, yes, yes I do. No so way. what do you know about this guy? Really? He's got a huge arm, he's really fast, he's a great leader, and he's super smart. And everybody who's ever played with him says he's nothing but impressive. And yet the national media just wanted to go on and on and on. Well, we don't know anything about Tyrod Taylor yet. Oh, Tyrod's the X Factor. All, all we know is positive things. We've yet to see something negative. And that, I'm, I'm still cautiously optimistic, but that positivity extends into today. Okay, that wraps up Rants and Raves before I pass out. Woo, we all need a beer. Yeah, we need uh -huh. a beer to carry us into the final segment of today the Wild Card section. It's the Wild Card. It's the wildcat, Bill. It's the wildcat. Alrighty, take two. So we know there was a fresh new face at Ralph Wilson Stadium today. A bronze statue was introduced of none other than Ralph Wilson Jr. The question, or I know there's been lots of comments, he has outstretched hands. He's welcoming the Bills fandom to the stadium. But really, it's kind of a little awkward. These hands just sitting out there. The wild card question is, what would you put in Ralph Wilson's hands? I would put my heart in his hands. Wow. Because Hashtag he, he has it. He got it for life. Love you. I'm going to argue this is the worst wild card idea ever, but I yeah, couldn't yeah. come up with anything better. Yeah. So. I'm gonna put my balls in it. <laughs> I'm gonna stand up there drunk as shit after a Bills Super Bowl win. And I'm sorry, Ralph, I have nothing but respect for you, but I'm just going to be that drunk when it comes time for the Bills win. I'm gonna come back to Orchard Park, buck naked, jump up in his arms, and he's gonna cradle me like a goddamn baby, and I'm just going to weep, and my testicles will fall in his hands. Wait, so, deflated balls or? All of them. So, uh, he's, so far he's got Bill's heart and Suja's balls. Um, so what I like about the statue is he's kind of doing the, uh, the politician, like one hand out to shake, the other hand out to pat you on the arm. So he actually has both hands out. So in, in sticking with my pattern of wild cards, I get to pick two things. But in this case, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a package deal. And the one hand that's sort of like turned up a little bit to pat the person on the arm, I'm gonna put a giant plate of buffalo wings with ranch, bitches, you heard here. Oh. And, in the other, and in the other hand, a shopping bag full of the bat blue. Oh, well done. I, I'm gonna go in the direction of Lars, but I'm gonna take it. He's right outside the tailgate, where you tailgate at the stadium, right? Yes. I'm putting a nice, juicy, saline hot dog. Saline? Oh. Saline. So, nothing buffalo. Hot dog into his hand, grilled by my uncle, none other than Uncle Ron, who does a perfect hot dog at the stadium. Uncle Ron. Uncle Ron. Nothing better than a hot dog from Uncle Ron. So this is Bills and Beers. We talk every week about the Buffalo Bills, but we do so drinking beer. And sadly, now that we're back at the Bills Bar, which I, I was told had a beer special, but I'm not sure it actually showed up on our bill today, uh, which means we're, we're drinking mostly the Bat Light and the Bat Blue, which... Uh, most most people in Bills Nation are familiar with. So next week we're gonna have to make a concerted effort to grab something different off their menu, which is actually quite extensive. 
here at Lincoln Station in Chicago. I think that we need to start a movement, and anyone that's listening from Lincoln Station, I think we need to import, no, not import, but we need to get some Southern Tier beer. We need a one Buffalo beer. We do. Newly introduced, the new beer of the Buffalo Bills and the Sabres. Apparently, it's a nice session ale. Good for drinking all day. That means it's lower content. Yes, it's about 5% or 4-something. But no lower than Labatt Blue. I like this idea. And and also, Suge, as we've discussed, Labatt does not travel very well. No, it does not. I like Labatt when I'm in Buffalo. I actually don't like drinking Labatt here. It kind of tastes really shitty. Chris, if you're listening, please ignore that. Yeah, Chris, if you're listening, give me a call. So next week, we have... We will still take Labatt swag if you have it. (laughs) Next week, we have coming to the Ralph... The goddamn cheating New England Patriots. Fucking hate you. You can find us on a, uh, one of us at least is going to be on a Patriots podcast this week. I forget which one, but he reached out on Twitter. So that'll be a lot of fun. If I go on there, I'm, I'm going to spit the hot fire. I'm going to tell them exactly what I think of their, of their cheating franchise, their piece of shit coach, and their prima donna quarterback. I'm not going to pull any punches. But in the meantime, it is going to be... Quite a measurement of where this team is at. If we can come out of the gates 2-0 against last year's AFC Conference title championship contending teams, then watch out, world. Here comes the Buffalo Bills. Let's do predictions. Mr. Big Stuff back in the house. He's going to sack Tom Brady at least three times. I got the Bills running away with this one. 34-13. I was going to say 31-10. Boom. Boom. 27-10. 34-30. You heard it here first. No less than 27 points for the Buffalo Bills. And if the Patriots score 20 points or more, I'll personally cut my own heart out of my chest and mail it to fucking Robert Kraft. Well, we hope the audio came out well here at the bar. It's been a lot of fun watching this team win. One of these weeks, we're going to be really pissed off after having watched this team lose. But let's ride this high for as long as we can. Thank you for joining us. Tune in next week. We'll be back a couple hours after the game every Sunday. That's coming to Buffalo. Let's kill them. Meantime, no bills. The bills make me wanna shout.